winter or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking... you avoid common injuries in your everyday life? What are the best first aid techniques? How do you keep your home, workplace, and family safe? Welcome to Safety is Your First Choice with your host, Todd Murray. Today, he'll discuss best practices to help you steer clear of hazards, prevent injuries, and accidents. Now, here is Todd Murray. Welcome to Safety is Your First Choice. I hope you had a wonderful, safe week uh, this past week. You know, over that past week, I was uh, I was thinking about some things. One of the things I thought about, as I told you guys before, that uh, I have three young children. You know, and I was thinking, well, uh, what's one of the things that I was really uneasy about, you know, with our kids when they were growing up? First thing that I thought of was the first time I sent my kids away to daycare. Yeah, that's that's that point where as a new parent you've been around your kid all the time and it's it's about time for you to go back to work. That maternity leave, uh, paternity leave has been uh, used up and here we are. We're trying to find a way to uh, place our kids in the safest environment possible. But also with an affordable, affordable method. You know, I, I did a little bit of research and, and looked up some things, and I went to uh, the Economic Policy Institute. They say in Arizona, the average cost for an infant in daycare is over ten thousand, almost ten thousand nine hundred forty-eight dollars a year, over about nine hundred and twelve dollars per month. And I just looked at that and thought, oh my gosh almost $11,000 per year to take care of an infant while you're out trying to make some money. The uh, a college, uh, the average cost for college in Arizona is only $10,557. So it costs more to watch your infant in a daycare than it does to send that child to, to a college. You know, and then it doesn't really get that much better when they get a little older. Four year old, a four-year-old in daycare, they're looking at $8,547 on average or $712 per month. Those are some extreme costs, you know. So as I talk about, you know, in the, in the past here, safety is your first choice. You know, when you take a look at these numbers, it's, it's not hard to figure out or understand why some people make uh, the price of daycare the first choice. We always need to figure out the best way to take care of our children, right? You know, we uh, we were fortunate. We had a uh, we had a friend that had a home home daycare uh, facility, right? So we would take our infant there, and and uh, she would watch the child, you know. And, and we trusted her, but you know, obviously, you know, as every parent is, you know, those 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 things that you have to think about. Is that house going to be safe? Is you know, do they have the right things? You know, what are the things that you ask or look for to figure out if a home home daycare is right for you, right? You've got the home daycare, and then you also have, you know, the commercial ones, you know, daycare centers and things like that, or a group daycare type facility. I've got a, a great host or a, a great uh, daycare owner that we'll, uh, that we'll talk to a little bit later and get some information about that. But first about home daycares, I took a look, and as, as you guys know, I'm in Arizona, and I, I just did a quick search to figure out what are the requirements of a home daycare? And I came to find out that they need to be licensed. 
You know, so I guess one of the things you need to do is to make sure that those uh, home daycare places are licensed to make sure that they have the things needed to pass the, the pass the regulations, right? And I found out that also uh, in Arizona, the owner has to pass or take and pass an orientation training for the home daycare centers, which is awesome. And they have uh, they require them to put together a variety of different things, you know. And when cost comes into play, you know, you're looking for that the, the least expensive method or least expensive option to take your infant or your your young child to be watched. Well at least you can have some minimums and be able to put them kind of in a rank and figure out which one's better than the other one based on safety and then take a look at the price, right? So some of those orientation requirements, you've got disaster emergency evaluation, they have to do some preparedness training, create a workbook, there's some videos, nutrition guides. I was kind of uh, surprised to find that they also have in here a sedentary activity or screening time for screen time for children that stayed there, you know? When you're dealing with a with a home daycare person, how do you know they just don't set your kid in front of the TV and then they run off and do something? You know, those are the kind of things that run through your mind as a as a new parent when you're uh, when you're choosing a place to set your kid uh, during the day. So we take a look at a few of these different things, make sure that they're safe. Obviously, some of the first things you would think of to make sure that they're trained in CPR. You know, I'm uh, a big advocate of everybody knowing CPR, infant, child, adult, CPR. You need to make sure that they are, that your home health care places are they're also. They're, they're suitable for taking care of your kids in an emergency. Some of the basic questions that you ask for, for home health care places that, you know, you may, not, uh, you may not think of. You know, they talk about the cost, but exposure to illnesses, you know, that's something that comes up. Right, you're gonna have kids there, and you know how do kids figure out what something is? First thing they do is they grab it. They might look at it, but it goes right into the mouth. Right, germs everywhere. Kids pick up everything. They put them in their mouth. That's their their best sensory option is just putting it in their mouth and tasting it. Finding out uh, how cleanliness, how clean the house is, the cleanliness habit habits. Taking a look. You know, the, one of the first things that uh, that I did, and even though I knew the, the person that watched our child, I went and did uh, a tour. I stopped in. As you know, I'm a firefighter, currently still a firefighter. And uh, so I would stop in during the day, odd hours, just walk through and take a look and see how everything looks, see how things are. If you're getting any kind of resistance to do that, that can be a cue that uh, something might not be right. And I always tell everybody, Use your senses. You know, if something doesn't feel right, nine times out of ten it isn't. So take this opportunity to just walk in, see if you feel comfortable, your infant's going to feel comfortable. And nine times out of ten it's a nice, uh, nice environment. But you still need to be diligent about checking the details, right? Specific to home daycares, uh, some providers um, run like religious daycares. You know, you might find them in churches and things of that nature. Um, some of them might not be certified. Ask for the certifications. Take a look at that. What are the ratios that you have for uh, home daycares? Based on some of these home daycares, they, they'll try to put as many people in as they can with only one, maybe two people to watch them. Do they stick with the guidelines? So really trying to find out what the guidelines are for your city or your uh, state 
when dealing with home health care or home uh, daycare facilities. So those are the kind of things that I was thinking about, you know, and thinking, you know, this, uh, in this day and age with things that are happening around, we, our, our biggest bundle of joy, our biggest asset is our children. And we need to take care of those and make sure that those, we take care of our kids and make sure that they're safe. How can we get that accomplished the best way? So that's where I came up with the, this topic today, just brainstorming those things with uh, my history and with our children and uh, um, looking at what the most, the most expensive or one of the most expensive things we have to deal with uh, today for monthly bills. And that, uh, that ends up being child daycare. Okay, so today I'd like to, uh, we're gonna bring in Angela, Angela Norman. She, uh, she owns and runs a Goddard School franchise. It's a nationwide uh, school. Hers is located in Centerville, uh, Ohio. She's had it for, I believe, over 20 years. Okay, she does that. She's married. She's been married for 25 years. She's got two daughters that I think uh, are doing really well. Um, one, I believe, is 16, and the other is 20, off, off to college. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm a Michigan State grad, and uh, I think her daughter goes to Ohio State. I'm not sure, but we're not going to hold that against her. <laughs> Just kidding. So, uh, let's see what we have here. Why don't we uh, Why don't we bring Angela Norman in? Let's give a warm welcome to Angela Norman. Angela, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Angela, how are you this are you? fine day? Well, you know, just fabulous, running all around like a chicken with my head cut off, but it's all good. <laughs> I can imagine that. You're a busy woman. I uh, was just telling our, our listeners here that uh, you've owned a Goddard school for over 20 years, and you kind of have some of that inside knowledge that uh, us layperson, per se, uh, don't have about uh, group daycare facilities. So would you sure. mind if we uh, kind of... Pick your brain of it somewhere to find out what we should be asking and what we should look for in uh, a child daycare center? Sure, I'd be glad to help you with that. Okay, great. So I tell you what, why don't we go ahead, we'll cut to break, we'll get this commercial in, and uh, at the return of that, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk to you about and ask you a few questions and see what you have to offer. Okay, that sounds fantastic. I'm happy to share. Great, thank you very much. We'll be right back with Safety is Your First Choice. Stay tuned, we'll be right back after the short commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The joy of being a parent begins with knowing what to do in case of an emergency. At CPR Baby, safeguarding the health of your infant is their number one goal. They offer a selection of onesies imprinted with visual cues that enable parents and others to perform proper CPR on your baby in the event of an emergency. Wrap your bundle of joy and the comfort of knowing, knowing that CPR Baby is there for you in case of an emergency. Visit CPRBaby.com today. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you. 
you are listening to Safety is Your First Choice. To reach Todd Murray or his guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to safetyisyourfirstchoice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to Safety is Your First Choice. We have with us today myself, Todd Murray, the host, and we also have Angela Norman, the owner of a Goddard School in uh, Centerville, Ohio. Angela, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you all today? Doing well, thank you. Doing well, thank you. So, you know, I was, I was telling the listeners here that I, I, you know, I have three children, and as they were growing up, and that first time that we were bringing the first child to a, to a daycare, leaving them, in somebody else's control, it was kind of a nerve-wracking, frustrating. I, I tried to be the, the strong rock in the whole thing, but inside I was crumbling kind of deal, you mm-hmm. know, and <laughs> trying to, trying to right. figure out, you know, how's this whole thing going to work, right? Right. Uh, I understand you've had this Goddard School for 20 years. How's, how's that going for you? Uh, it's going great, yeah. I've been an owner and operator of the Goddard School in Centerville for the past 20 years. Uh, we started off with our first location, uh, which was about 6,700 square feet. It had held about 120 kids. Oh. And then we relocated to another building that I built that holds um, about 170 kids. And then we just built an annex that holds um, approximately like another 60 children. So. Oh. Um, so it's two separate locations that we have now. So we've been doing this now for about 20 years. Okay. Um, and um, we just work very hard to do the best that we can in terms of working with our families in their community and making sure we meet all their needs and all that good stuff. Very nice. I understand that you also, well, you guys, uh, your schools have been, with all that growth and number of children, you guys have been in the top 5% of uh, all the Goddard franchises around the nation. Is that true? Correct, yes. We, uh, we're we an award-winning Goddard School. We've worked very hard to achieve that. Okay. Um, our school is also accredited. It has NACI accreditation, which is the gold standard for early childhood education. And then, oh. um, as you mentioned, we are an award-winning Goddard School, um, not only as it relates to occupancy, but uh, from an educational standpoint as well. Um, so we take great pride in what we do. We offer a chartered kindergarten at our program as well as before and after school enrichment for children that are ages, you know, like right around the first grade uh, all the way up to the fifth grade. Wow, um, I, think so, I think I picked the right person to talk to then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say one of them. There's many of us out there, so. Right. Well, good, good. Well, shoot, let's dig into this because, I, I you know, I talk to my listeners and let them know that, you know, I, the name of the show is Safety is Your First Choice, right? Sure. But if you don't know what all your choices are, how can you make the, the first choice be the correct one? You know? Correct. So, um, looking at a, you know, a school, you know, as me being somebody off the street that just knows a, a child daycare facility as well, I see the sign and it says they watch kids. What, uh, in, in knowing the personality of my children, are there any, how do I find out if this is the right school to fit? my child, you know? Right. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors to look at there. And since your show is about safety first, I think what I would like to do is just kind of start from that standpoint, first of all. Okay. Um, so when you first walk into our facilities, the majority of all Goddard schools across the nation, the first thing that you're going to see is that you're not going to be able to gain you know, readily access. There is an access access point. There'll be a um, a a hand scanner or there'll be a key punch that will give you access to our facilities. 
Um, there'll be a director that will be seated, seated up front uh, that will be there to greet you, uh, answer any questions that you might have, of course, and of course show you the program. Um, and then once you, you know, gain access into the program, they will take you around, show you our facility. Uh, some of the things that, as a parent, that you want to look for, like what I always tell families is obviously safety is number one, but once you get past the fact that you can see your child being at this particular child care facility, then it's looking at other factors. Um, how do they teach their, like, how do they, first of all, evaluate their employees? Are they fingerprinting them, which are all things that we do? Um, okay. Are, you know, we also do some basic things, like we'll look on Facebook, um, we'll look on the internet and do our own personal searches to see if we see anything oh. that's outlandish that kind of stands out about right. each of our employees before we actually even just fingerprint them. We will look to see if we even want this person a part of their te- of our team to see if they are fitting the mold uh, of what we would want here with an employee in terms of just their, their character and what we see. So it's not just about just looking to see if someone has a clean set of fingerprints for us. Um, and then, of course, you know, we will also, our teachers are degreed in the field of early childhood, elementary ed, or the social sciences, our leads are required to have degrees. And then oftentimes both that lead and assistant will have degrees. Um, And then, of course, because our program is accredited, that means that we are held to a higher standard in terms of what the daily expectations are. So for maybe a typical pre- typical preschool, they might have state of Ohio ratios that they are, I live in Ohio, so they might have their state of Ohio or st- whatever state they're a part of ratios that they are mandated to keep. But for a Goddard school, typically those ratios are less than what that particular state is required um, for them to maintain. And that oh, helps I, to really that's keep... That's got to be important then. Absolutely, and that really helps to kind of keep the safety there in terms of the number of children that are allowed per caregiver. And in addition to that, you know, not only, like I said, is it about the number of children that are required per caregiver, but you also have people here that want to be with children. So it's not like you have people that are just looking to make a couple extra bucks on an hour. These are people that are actually degreed in the field. This is what they want to do for a living, and they work very hard to be a part of that program. So So I can imagine that's that's extremely important. You know, we've... uh, I, in one of my businesses, I do extinguisher inspections and things, and, and we had a uh, care facility or a, a child care facility that, um, that was on our route. So we would go there, and I would see large numbers of kids in a room with maybe one right. person. Uh, right. Uh, things of that nature. I've seen uh, girls walk in or guys walk in that worked there that are just look like they were there just to uh, collect a, a paycheck. They were right. really too interested. So I can see right. how that They're can not make engaged. a difference. Right. So how do you determine, uh, so along with your fingerprinting, uh, the uh, Facebook uh, pages, do you, uh, do you go to the different schools or something to look for, for, for uh, teachers or employees that, uh, well, that want to work with children? Yeah, so we do a variety of different things. First of all, because at the Goddard Schools, we are teaching an educational curriculum. Um, We actually work directly with one of the community colleges here in our area, and they will Mm -hmm. send student teachers to our program. And those student teachers will then work at our program for a number of months until they learn, you know, kind of like the ropes of the, the system. Um, they will basically do their student teaching that's required by the public schools or required for their degrees. And oftentimes, those individuals 
then will turn into employees for us. So they'll be degree teachers that have already had a lot of experience working here at a Goddard school, okay. and then ultimately they will become employees here. Um, most of the child care facilities will not have that as an option because, of course, their program is not a program in, in, in which the teachers are actually writing their own lesson plans. So that's a key difference between us and most of the other child care facilities that are out there. Okay. If their teacher is actually writing their own lesson plan, then that makes it an educational facility. If a teacher is using what we call a box curriculum, that is a curriculum that's coming from someone's corporate headquarters, and they're basically sending it out on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, and they're saying, okay, implement this. Okay. So at our schools, our teachers actually are writing their own lesson plans, um, so we're able to you know, use that data to obviously allow for teachable moments in the event that something special happens, like there's a rainbow or they find a really unique bug like a praying mantis or something. We can stop whatever it is we're doing and have moments where we can actually incorporate those teachable moments in there. And so we, by having these educational teachers that we've found from, like, you know, during, going through this, you know, like a teacher program that we have, then we're able to be able, with those people doing their student teaching, then we'll be able to actually get employees that way as well. Um, in addition to that, um, because we are a franchise, you know, then we have, you know, our own systems in place where we have, you know, kind of intranet type of searches where we're able to get employees that way. Uh, we're also able to reach out to other neighboring Goddard schools as well mm-hmm. for employees. And then, of course, the traditional methods, you know, hierology or, you know, those other different types of uh, tools that people will use uh, to find employees as well. And, of course, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's very nice. You know, the, yeah, I, I mentioned in, uh, when we were talking about the home health care stuff, I'm uh, talking about uh, how cleanliness and things of that right. nature and how uh, germs travel quick around, amongst, uh, amongst kids. Uh, is there a certain, do you guys have certain wellness policies or things like that that, uh, that dealt with? Yes, so we are held to a state of Ohio wellness policy, um, which has various different rules in it in terms of the number of like times a child can have you know a loose stool or the temperature that they might have. Okay. But because we are um, a franchise, then we were held to a higher level of standard because of what our franchisor requires of us. So that we have what are called the state. Uh, wellness policy, but then we have, our, our particular program has a threshold above that state. So to us, the state is like just the bare bones, okay. but we always go above and beyond that. Right. Um, in addition to that, uh, with the wellness policy, we have what's called our quality assurance team, and they will come out uh, two times during the year, completely unannounced, and they will, absolutely, they will look at absolutely every facet of the program, from the number of grams of sugar that are in our snacks to whether or not our step stools have been cleaned. Um, So it's a very comprehensive uh, inspection that takes place. We also have what's called system standards in which we will also um, um, have to complete those about every year to every two years where we look at absolutely every facet of the program to whether or not we're maintaining current logos within our facilities, whether or not the sod is up to date outside on the playgrounds, are there any tripping hazards. Um, So uh, we have all these things that are required of us. Um, that are over and beyond uh, what a standard um, type of health inspection uh, would take place. Well, I tell you what, why don't we take a quick break? I've got a couple more real good questions that I want to ask you, and uh, you've got a ton of information, so I want to make sure I'm able to get that information from you before you get out of here. Why don't we take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Angela Norman uh, here on Safety is Your First Choice. Stay with us. 
us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The joy of being a parent begins with knowing what to do in case of an emergency. At CPR Baby, safeguarding the health of your infant is their number one goal. They offer a selection of onesies imprinted with visual cues that enable parents and others to perform proper CPR on your baby in the event of an emergency. Wrap your bundle of joy and the comfort of knowing, knowing that CPR Baby is there for you in case of an emergency. Visit CPRBaby.com today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Safety is Your First Choice. To reach Todd Murray or his guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to safetyisyourfirstchoice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to Safety is Your First Choice with Todd Murray. I have my guest on here, Angela Norman. Uh, owner of a Goddard School for over 20 years, award-winning Goddard School, let me be corrected. So, Angela, you know, when I spoke uh, earlier, I, I, I shot off some numbers and statistics that I found that uh, in the state of Arizona, the average uh, cost to take care of an infant is close to $11,000 per year uh, for a four-year-old. It's something like close to close to $9,000 or $8,500 $8, a year. Um what are ways that parents can can kind of help get into some of these schools with the, the finance side of it? Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the tricky thing. I mean, at our particular program and across the board with most Goddard schools, we do not take any sort of financial assistance. Um, I know for me personally at my program, the only type of special program that I would have in place that would provide some level of assistance would be um, a program that we have in place for the military, um, and they do provide, you know, some assistance for the military people um, in terms of, like, the government is kind of subsidizing a portion of their tuition. But um, in general, uh, it is just a fee-for-service. There's not anything, um, you know, special that we can offer. Parents just literally have to decide they want to make that investment into their child and really think about the value that that brings for their baby. Uh, Most children nowadays end up going to kindergarten practically knowing how to read. Um, I know at our program we offer Spanish, sign language, and dance to the kids. We also offer piano, um, and these services are included in our program. So the first five years of brain development are the most critical. So, you know, it's a matter of parents making a decision that they want to invest into their children in their early years. Um, you know, well, so then that's why it's so expensive. That's why it's uh, comparable to a college thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> those five, first five years are, you know, growth Absolutely. of the brain. I mean, yeah. They're I, critical I, I for the brain that. development. And that's the reason why, like, what I was going to say is that for me personally, with my children, I've invested, obviously, in their early years. Even before I became an owner of a Goddard school, I was a Goddard parent. Um, but then, for me, I'm a huge proponent of public schools, you know, okay. so, you know, I feel very strongly that, that the public schools that my children are a part of are fantastic. Obviously, some others might not necessarily be the case, but um, I guess in some ways, it's kind of a sandwich. I'm, I pay, you know, a lot of parents will pay a lot of money for their their preschool education. Maybe they'll go to a public school, and then after that, they might end up paying for college. Or if they're lucky enough, their child might get a college scholarship, so... 
Um, but, you know, in terms of just having something in there in place, there's really nothing. Um, some of the other schools that are, you know, depending upon the quality of them, they could be schools where they could kind of offset some of that cost where uh, the state could give them some sort of funding. Um, if there okay. was some sort of financial need that could be there. So that would be the right. only other option that I guess that I would recommend. But in okay. most cases, it wouldn't be a Goddard school that you would be attending at that point. Okay. You know, you had mentioned, uh, you, you said something intriguing. You know, uh, none of my kids have taken uh, piano. They're in, they're in uh, a charter school currently, and they, uh, they're doing violin and some other things like that. What's a typical day look like for, uh, for an infant or a preschooler at your, uh, at your school? Well, I mean, obviously when they're a baby, we are working towards meeting their basic needs, uh, you know, keeping them, you know, clean and healthy. Uh, but we're also stimulating them. We have a full curriculum that is uh, designed specifically for children that are below the age of three. And then we have another curriculum that's designed for children that are above the age of three. Um, so, you know, say, for example, for like a three-year-old, they might come in in the morning. Um, they might have some open center time where they're allowed to pick and choose what they would like to do throughout the course of the, the morning. Then uh, they would then have a morning snack, and then after morning snack, they would have um, um, the circle time. And then after circle time, the teacher would work towards setting out specific activities that would match the theme for the day. So, like, for example, if they're talking about apples, they might actually have an opportunity to to sample apple slices. They might cut an apple in half and, and use that apple to make apple prints on a mm. piece of construction paper. Okay. Um, and so they then might pick the seeds out of the apple and count the number of seeds that are in that apple. So it would be, you know, it's a, a curriculum that allows for them to be able to touch it, to feel it, and experience it um, in a way that's fun. You know, that's what's most important for us from an educational standpoint, that the children are not just simply... Um, basically just said, okay, here's some blocks in the room and just go play with that. We want to make our educational curriculum fun and entertaining and interactive. Uh, we do incorporate um, things, information technology into our program as well, such as uh, iPads, um, smart boards, um, any of those type of things that we'll put in there as well where there could be educational games that the children could also do. Okay. Um, and then we also have computers in the classroom as well. That starts at about age two and a half. Um, so, you know, those are the type of things that, um, you know, that you would expect in the course of a day. And then we would mix in those extracurricular activities, you know, depend upon the day of the week. There could be Spanish or there could be sign language or, like I said, there could be dance. And so all these items, all these different curriculums together combined provide a very well-rounded, rich experience for the children, um, which in turn allows for their brain to just basically just take off in terms of development. So, right. You know, we work very hard uh, to stimulate them so that they're not basically, you know, being bored. Sounds like you set a high standard here for some of these uh, care or, uh, daycare facilities. Yes, that is our goal. <laughs> that is absolutely our goal. We want to give them a run for their money. There you go. Well, very nice. You know, uh, we can't get past any of this stuff. Uh, you see it in the news, multiple uh, these these shootings and different things like that. Yes. Um, you know, we don't want that to happen at our, you know, and, you know, uh, my background being uh, Department of Homeland Security instructor, female instructor, trainer, things of that nature. And I've been trained on a lot of these mass casualty incidents and things of that nature. Um, how are how are you guys prepared or is that something that we should ask about daycare facilities if they should be prepared for these type situations if, if they happen? 
Well, unfortunately, like you said, I mean, no one wants to really think about that. But um, unfortunately, uh, in today's times, I think we're forced uh, and compelled that we actually have to think about that. At our particular school, we were actually served as the pilot program as one of the first schools where a company was um, we partnered with, and they came in and they actually taught us how to handle in the event that there was an active shooter inside of the space. And so we've actually gone through extensive training as a two-day training program where we went through and we learned what to do in the event if there was a shooter inside the building in terms of creating obstacles that make it uh, hard for the shooter to come into the your particular classroom, um, barricading yourself into certain rooms. Uh, we're obviously not allowed to lock those doors because of fire hazards and things like that, but we certainly are able to put obstacles in the pathway because based off of what we've learned in the training program that we went through with was a gentleman who had been a part of the Secret Service, and, and what he has shared with us is that shooters want easy. They want easy targets, so we have a system in place where you know it alerts um, everyone that there is a shooter in the place um, and then what we've done is is that the teachers have actually gone through the process of practicing these drills and training with these drills very much so like a fire drill um, and so then they know how to handle it uh, in the event that something like this does happen as opposed to it kind of being you know mass chaos and I think that's also what's taking place now within the public schools that right. um, you know where they're, they're being trained as well that the children are being trained even the public schools and we're obviously being trained here our training is different because obviously you know we don't have the luxury of telling 12 babies to run you know, so we have to create uh, obstacles and uh, things that will make it hard for, um, you know, a shooter to be able to, like, say, enter into a room by taking, like, a table and barricading the room. Um, and then, you know, getting the children in, like, like a typical, like, in a fire drill type of situation, we have what are called fire cribs. So in that type of situation, we would gather all the kids up and throw them into the fire crib. Not literally, obviously, but we would put them into the fire crib. And we would move them into another area that would be safe, whether it be outside or in the, in a crib room or whatever the situation may be. And then we would create obstacles such that it would be harder for the shooter to come in. Um, and, and the same applies for each of the other rooms as well. And just try to to keep the children as calm as we possibly can while we go through the process. Um, so, you know, we have gone through that training, um, and our teachers have gone through that training. Uh, so it just literally, it just depends, like I said, um, how each program, you know, specifically chooses to manage their school. Right, okay. Well, yeah, like I say, you know, it's, it's something that uh, we don't ever want to think will happen. But, you know, if we want to be safe and we want to make the right choices, we need to pre-plan and uh, get, get prepared for those kind of things. Now, I know that, uh, you, you know, this Goddard School isn't the only thing that you're involved in. Isn't, uh, I heard some kind of rumors about uh, some kind of a barn or something. Can you tell me a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, so that's what I call my newest little baby. Um, I'm in the process of building a wedding venue. Um, oh. It is, yeah, so I'm super excited about it. Um, I think it'll be a little bit less uh, stressful than what I do on a day-to-day -day here at the Goddard School. Um, we have about 45 employees here, so this will be, you know, probably four or five employees that will have, that will, um, that will be a part of this wedding venue venture. It is an, an 11,000 uh, square foot facility that has the main barn where people could, you know, get married in 
or they could have their reception in it. Um, and then there's also a separate barn that's specifically just for the guys. Okay. So it just it just depends upon how folks would like to be able to use the space. There's a beautiful meadow. There's an existing silo on site, an existing barn. So, um, you know, it's a really common thing right now to be able to have um, – these big barns out in the middle of like the pastures and all that good stuff and right. a lot of the brides are really looking into this because it just it, it what I say it, it just speaks to their heart it's so much different than just being in a hotel room people have the ability to literally rent the whole entire space for the day as opposed to just giving like a block of four or five hours in a hotel right so right. Um, you know it's it's a it's a really exciting venture we are we are we are we have our certificate of occupancy, which is fantastic, and uh, me and my husband are going to be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary as the very first event that's going to take place there in two weeks. So, oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Right. I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to build a venue and have a full-blown wedding slash renewal all at the exact same time frame, Ooh. but uh, here we are. It's been a fun time. You're um, a busy person. Very busy, but hey. Mother, you know, and you've got, uh, you've got two daughters? I'm sorry, what did you say? I said uh, married, uh, two businesses, and you have two daughters. Yes, that's correct. Yep, and, that's uh, correct. Like one's in college, right? Was I, yes, I get that one correct? is a, uh, she is a junior at o- the Ohio State University, <laughs> and then the other one is a junior at the local uh, high school here in uh, Mason, Ohio. Okay. And I understand they're both overachievers. Uh, think they are both overachievers. If they're not, well, you know, they might have to contend with their mother, more so than their <laughs> father, I guess. You know, when Very you're a type nice. A personality, it just is what it is. You can't help it. It just kind of naturally comes out. So. Well, very nice. Well, Angela, thank you very much for uh, being with us today. We greatly appreciate it. You gave us a lot of good knowledge, and we we definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Right now, let's go ahead to a commercial break, and you've been listening to Safety is Your First Choice. Stay tuned. We'll be back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The joy of being a parent begins with knowing what to do in case of an emergency. At CPR Baby, safeguarding the health of your infant is their number one goal. They offer a selection of onesies imprinted with visual cues that enable parents and others to perform proper CPR on your baby in the event of an emergency. Wrap your bundle of joy and the comfort of knowing, knowing that CPR Baby is there for you in case of an emergency. Visit CPRBaby.com today. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Safety is Your First Choice. To reach Todd Murray or his guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to safetyisyourfirstchoice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Angela Norman, she provided us a lot of good information. So... Make sure you uh, take a look at our Safety is Your First Choice on Facebook. You can uh, post some questions there and and, uh, send us emails, call in. 
she's brought up a lot of good things so that uh, maybe you have some questions or some follow-up questions. I'll take a look at those and, and get you some answers uh, next week's show. So again, Angela Norman, thank you very much for the interview. And uh, all the, it seems you set that bar pretty high in terms of uh, daycare providers for children and educational daycares, uh, let's say. The, uh, so as a parent out there, people that are listening, I would uh, use the information that Angela provided us in a manner of, you know, she told us a lot of stuff that she did and she's done with her uh, daycare. I would go through, maybe jot some questions down that you have based on what she's provided and go through and ask uh, your current daycare provider or even future daycare providers on some of those, uh, on those, some of those questions, using Angela's uh, Goddard School as kind of a bar for you. You know, if you can find something that's uh, they're performing better, well, you you're you're right right there, right where you need to be. If you're finding some place that's even equal, you're right where you need to be. Now, if you're finding a lot of areas that uh, aren't matching up or they don't even know how to answer those questions, yeah, it might be it might be an indication that you need to take a look someplace else. A couple of things that I had noted or pointed out or. I kind of jotted down during the end uh, the interview was that uh, a wellness policy. Uh, she mentioned a wellness policy. They have a state wellness policy for Ohio, and they go above the bar with that, uh, using that state wellness policy as their base, and then they build on top of that. So obviously, one of the obvious things or questions that come up is, what's the wellness policy in your state? or your local jurisdiction. Do they have a wellness policy? And if so, how does the wellness policy compare, the, the daycare's policy compare to the state or your local jurisdiction's wellness policy? That may be somewhere that you wanna start. You know, daycares are in, notorious for germs. Okay, and they, some people say, and uh, you know, some of the history comes back as saying that daycares uh, kindergarten are kind of designed to have the children get a little sick so that they can help build up their immunities. Well, we don't want to go overboard with that. But nowadays, with a lot of the different bugs and germs and things that are out there, you really, you know, we need to be careful with that, right? So we do want our kids to, you know, catch the natural things that they catch, catch as kids so that their immune systems are built up and strong so when they get older, they're not catching these type of uh, diseases or sicknesses when their bodies aren't equipped to help fight those germs. So we want to make sure that we, uh, the, the wellness policy is accurate for, uh, for our children. You know, and going through that, you know, she brought up some issues about, uh, we talked about the uh, active shooter. We see this with what's going on today and in society, and we have the gun debate and that kind of thing. Well, uh, we want to protect our children, right? We we want to make sure that's our that's our bundle and joy, our number one asset, right? We want to protect that infant or child uh, when we have to put them in somebody else's care. One of the areas that I, when I do a training to industry, I talk about incident action plans or pre-plans. So pre-planning an incident. If, uh, if something happens and you don't have a plan ahead of time, you are, and I think Angela mentioned something today, you know, so that you don't run around with your, uh, like a chicken with their head cut off in, a, in, a, in an emergency situation. Incident action plans is basically just putting together a plan 
for what to do in case of an emergency. Now, she mentioned that uh, for an active shooter, she also mentioned fire drills. Those are kind of things that you want to look for. So when you're out there looking at a child daycare facility, one of the questions you may want to ask is, what's your incident action plan in case of an emergency? What are you guys set up to do? And then list off a couple of them, or when they provide that, uh, hopefully it's in a book form or a notebook type form, you can take a look through that and see what they plan on doing in case of those emergencies and see if it fits to what you think is the best thing to do for your, for your family. One of the other things that's brought up is how often do you practice that? Find out what the state regulations are or your local jurisdiction. Find out when, how often they're required to do fire drills, active shooter drills. You know, when we were kids, uh, I remember doing uh, tornado drills, right? You would, uh, you know, you hear a siren or something or something would come over the loudspeaker and we were trained to get under our desks. Unfortunately, this time of uh, this day and age, we have to deal with active shooters. Okay, so how often do you practice that? I remember we do it, I think it was like the first, first Friday or first Tuesday or something like that of the month. You'd hear the, the siren go on outside the school and school would activate and we would, we would hide under our desks for tornado warnings. Okay, now how often do uh, schools required to do fire drills? Are they required to do active shooter drills? And how often, if, if they are, how often are they, are they doing those things? So with that said, again, Angela Norman, thank you very much. She did a great job. Use her school and, and the information that she provided to help you make safety your first choice when choosing your daycare provider for your children. So over the, uh, over the course of the week, uh, and uh, taking a look at some of the current events. You know, we have a lot of hurricanes coming through. I'm watching the news, as I'm sure most of you out there are. And we're just looking at how this devastating flooding um, is happening. Uh, we're in the Bahamas and seeing people displaced out of their homes. Uh, things are happening in Houston. Uh, there's been a lot of different flooding and issues. We just recently uh, here in Arizona had, uh, I think it was something like nine inches of rain dropped in the matter of minutes, and we've had flooding. So I, I um, taking a look at that, I'm, I'm watching the news, and they're filming, they have their helicopters up, and they're, and they're filming these, uh, they're showing people and kids. They're out playing in the uh, in the washes and in this flooded water that brought up some concerns i also see vehicles we've got running waters going going over streets rivers overflowing their banks and now you have all this moving water and vehicles trying to drive through there in arizona we have what we call the stupid motorist law that if you if the if it's barricaded to say, hey, don't drive through this, it's running water, and you decide to go around that barricade and drive through and then get stuck, well, uh, you're responsible. You're, you're paying for the, the rescue of that directly. Uh, I've also heard just recently some people are saying that they, they hesitate to call or don't want to call because they don't want to be uh, liable for that. Always call. 
first don't uh, don't drive through there so it, it brought up some questions and some things that me being a technical rescue technician and being trained in swift water maybe i have a little bit more knowledge because i take a look at a stream moving through and realize that i'm not able to drive through it i wouldn't try i don't need a barrier saying don't drive through it i can take a look at that and see yeah that's not a good thing to do right one of the things that a lot of us think you know i've seen guys in these big trucks and uh, they're like, well, yeah, I can easily clear that. That water, my, my vehicle's above that water level. You know, there's maybe three, three feet or something of water. I can, I got some big tires and, and you know, I'm high enough. I got this lift kit on the truck. So it's, uh, you know, I can get through it. I got this, right? I got this. I slept in a Holiday Inn last night, right? I got this. Now, the, the fact is you're driving on some inner tubes, right? They're filled with air. Water, those inner tubes can float. All you have to do is to reduce the amount of traction or friction that you have on the road by a little bit. And the force of that moving water will get that vehicle moving in the wrong direction. It's extremely easy to get that truck moving, okay? Or whatever vehicle you're in. It's easy to get that vehicle moving off the road. So with that said... Don't go through any driving, uh, drive through any moving water. Okay. Uh, if you do get stranded, try to stay with the vehicle. You know, that's the most, uh, that's the safest thing that you can do. Stay with that vehicle. People looking for you, they have a point, point to go. Getting into the water would be your last, last resort. We talk about with our, uh, our rescue guys, if we have to walk out, we do what is called a V formation. We have one guy in front and, and kind of form a V with, the, with uh, four other guys, okay? And we will not walk into water that's above our knees, okay? So if, if the water's above our knees, there's no way that we can keep our balance or fight that, uh, that flow of water and stay upright. So... Don't go in the water if you don't have to, okay? Stay with the vehicle. If, for whatever reason, you do end up in the water, there's some simple techniques that you can use or utilize to be able to keep yourself as safe as possible, okay? And, I'll, uh, and we call it defensive swimming position. So that position is with your feet first, so your feet facing downstream, your knees bent, feet slightly lower than your rear end. Okay, that's to help protect your rear end from anything that you don't see that's below the water. And if you're floating down in that manner, you don't want something coming below you and hitting you in the rear and causing damage or getting you hurt, right? So you kind of keep your feet a little bit lower so that you'll feel anything that's down there. And you hope to, uh, to be able to uh, avoid it. Set a proper ferry angle. Now, ferry angle. If you think about it, the angle is with the body, your head is pointed at a 45-degree angle towards the desired bank that you want to get pushed to. You're almost making yourself as a, uh, as a dam kind of deal. So what the water hits, it hits one side, and it kind of pushes you off to the side. Okay, so you don't want to have your head towards the middle because then that'll help, that'll push you out towards the middle. Having your head at a 45-degree angle towards the bank will push you towards the bank, okay? So have your head at a 45 degree angle in that manner and you're floating on your back, okay? So you do backstrokes to help 
uh, to help navigate the water. So you're going to be looking downstream, seeing, hey, what's what's coming up? What what do I need to avoid? Look for any eddies. Now, an eddy is a calm space behind an obstacle. Okay, so a calm space behind an obstacle. If you're going downstream, you see an obstacle, what you need to do is roll over, position your head to roll over under your stomach well before that obstacle. Keep your head pointed at a 45 degree angle towards the shore or towards that eddy or towards that obstacle that you're trying to avoid. Obviously position yourself so you're a little farther out or in to be able to avoid that obstacle. Before you become even with that obstacle, you need to start swimming as hard as you can. Okay, well, you're fighting that current, so you're not going to be moving that, that quick, right? But you'll be moving enough, it'll slow you down some, and it'll start to bring you in towards. And what you want to do is go ahead and slip right behind that obstacle and continue swimming and kicking as hard as you can, because that's a calm area. And behind that obstacle, you'll be able to basically have a safe spot. All right? So that's how you want to handle that if you're going down, okay? You want to try to handle that in that in that manner. I've seen people getting stranded in streams on the news and everything else, and that's how you want to be able to go down and handle that situation. Talking about people playing in these uh, in these parks and and in, in this water. Understand when you have floods like this, that water is contaminated water. That water is a contaminated water, okay? So when you get into something like that, that is not something to play in. You've got oils, you've got all fuels, you've got things that, uh, and everyone knows that gasoline is a carcinogen, so it causes cancer and it can absorb into your skin. You don't wanna be playing in, in any of these uh, washes and things. So if you do, if you have to go into that water, as soon as you can, get out of that water and uh, decontaminate. Basically, get into some clean water, take off your clothing. Clothing holds about 90% of contamination against your skin and keeps you getting uh, exposed to that chemical. So get your clothes off, get under uh, copious amounts of water, and stay in that for about 20 minutes, using soap and water to wash off, okay? You need to decontaminate yourself. You got to get those chemicals and things off you. Don't play in those kind of in that kind of water. So, those are the kind of the points that uh, that I saw today with some current events. We have uh, we had Angela Norman on here talking to us about some daycare. I'd like to say thank you for listening. The uh, Angela provided us a lot of great information. These hurricanes, the flooding is a tragic situation, but if you think about it ahead of time, if you do, if you consider safety as your first choice and go about it in a safe manner, we hopefully all can uh, survive this, any of those negative situations. So we're coming to the end of the show. I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. Next week, we are going to look at, uh, my kids are all starting sports and I, uh, Thank, uh, and my daughter, actually, she just injured her, uh, her ankle playing volleyball. So uh, we're going to uh, interview maybe a um, physical therapist, see what, uh, what kind of things we can think about for children's safety in sports and rehab. 
answer all those questions, inside questions, all that kind of good stuff. So you've been listening to Safety is Your First Choice with Todd Murray, your host. We had Angela Norman from the Goddard School on today. Remember, be safe out there. Uh, you can reach us at safety is your first choice at Gmail. If you have any show ideas, please send us an email or you can contact us on Facebook. Safety is your first choice on Facebook and safety is your choice at gmail.com. You always can call the, the variety channel. Call us up here at uh, Voice America Radio and we'll, we'll get your questions and concerns on, on the air. Again, thank you very much. You've been listening to safety is your first choice with Todd Murray, your host. Have a safe week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week for Safety is Your First Choice. Be sure to join host Todd Murray again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, be safe. 